ridiculous. Black cats will cross your path. I've had it happen to me many times. I mean, but it was, yeah, yeah a lot of it them happened to me, and, and it was like exactly like the way you would picture it from those tunes. It just came from one side of the road, like ran out right in front of me, and just like kind of like... Cut across. Yeah, just cut, like a black cat crossed my path. And then later I had what I consider a supernatural experience. about that. I, I always, it always strikes me when that happens to me. Black cat has crossed my path. Yeah. <laughs> you ever notice anything bad happen after that? I, I guess I don't remember the follow, you know, following up on it. Like yeah, it's that. good probably not to remember. <laughs> well, we're back here on the Old Time Radio Show. Uh, once again, with our special guest, uh, Robert Crumb, and the lovely and voluptuous Eden Brower. Does that mean fat? Distracting us with her. <laughs> Here we go again. Trying to concentrate on records, and I just have to keep looking at her big legs, which. Yeah, I just keep bending over. She's my lady. I find very exciting. She's yet distracting. Very, I keep very bending over. Very good muscle Did I tone. drop my neckerchief? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> neckerchief. Baby, you're really something. Oh, you kid. <laughs> 23 skidoo. Oh, you flatterer. Yeah. <laughs> So what um, what are we going to do now on the show? Now, uh, okay. well, I'll let you speak. Go ahead. All right. Um, well, since I live in France and I'm a compulsive record collector. Hmm, I didn't know those two things. Over the years I've lived here, I've also collected um, these traditional French recordings of music from mostly from the Auvergne region, which is in the center of France on the high plateau. It's mostly rural. It's rather isolated. And in the early 1900s a lot of these Auvergnats moved to Paris and they worked in industry you know dirty businesses they be they became known as as haulers of coal hmm. charbonniers a lot of Auvergnats hmm. and then they also brought their music and they had their own dance halls and all that and, and then in the late 20s <coughs> an Auvergnat named Martin Kalis started his own record company called Le Soleil yeah. and just to sell records to Auvergnats mm. of Auvergne music and o over the years from 1927 to I think 1951 they recorded lots of interesting music I think actually this the, the last 78s they recorded were in 1941 they as the war progressed they couldn't get the sh even get the shellac anymore yeah, and then after the war he, he kept issuing the stuff from the earlier period even on, on 45s and LPs but it's all earlier recordings this music's very interesting it's, oh, it's like very uh, time capsule isolated kind of kind of like the Ozark fiddle bands or something it has that quality, has its own yeah. sound yeah yeah and the first time I ever heard it the first time I was in Paris in 1978 a guy kind of took me on a tour he's a nice guy Alan Wilde of the flea markets and I <coughs> found some nice musette and stuff, and then there's this guy standing there with his hands in his pockets with a, a few items on the ground in front of him at the flea market, and one of them was this Le Soleil record, which I'd never seen before. Huh. It had a little chip out of it, but I bought it anyway for like 15 cents or something, and, and I took it to this guy Alon Wiles' house and listened to it, and I was completely amazed. I said, it's just music, sounded like music from the Middle Ages to me. Hmm. It's a bagpipe and accordion. Yeah, he sent me a bunch of great ones. Yeah. So dirty, then I dirty. intently looked for those Le Soleil records after that. And I found a lot of them over the years. Yeah, you were able to find a lot, right? Again, there's not much them. interest. There's only a few people that are really interested in them. I don't know what why that is here in France. I don't know. Hmm. So like, over the years, I accumulated a lot of them. 
there's great music on them. Let's listen to one. I'll yeah, play that yeah. first one I ever found. Uh, okay, great. Which I later upgraded and found a copy that didn't have a piece out of it. Okay, cool. We need some mu music at a Sove so dance band. Sove dance bands? <laughs> yeah. I even found some of these Really, you found some right here. The thing about these Le Soleil records is the titles are often written in uh, the Auvergnat language, which at that time was somewhat different from standard French. Hmm. It's kind of it's died out somewhat now, but it's and it sounds a little more Italian than standard French with a rolled R. So I think this is called Laudrazzo. It's Martin Kayla and Paul Demay. Okay. Kayla sings. Let's hear it. L'aglio di rosa ti farà morire, ti farà morire, che l'aglio, che l'aglio, ti farà morire, che l'aglio di me. Yeah. 
because that kind of music didn't even make it across the ocean to America. No way. What you got there? This is uh, the orchestra of Henry Momboise doing the polka finale. Momboise is accordion player. nice accordion playing now tell me if I'm wrong like when I listen to this music like it strikes me like a record like that it's not too far off from Musette and then it has that like proletarian feel but yeah it doesn't have like that heavy romantic edge that a lot of the Musette records kind of yeah. have kind of well, seem more like just like uh, drinking party music well, the word Musette actually comes from the Auvergne bagpipe it's a small oh really bagpipe was called a musette oh wow i didn't know that and they brought that to paris and then the the musette kind of blended in with the parisian music so it's this momboise the guy that plays the accordion on that record also played lots of romantic musette typical parisian musette also as hmm. well as playing more kind of down home over type stuff he did hmm. both interesting 
here's a couple of Overn yachts named Galvang and Faucon. Faucon. And they're doing a piece called Souvenir de Musette. And it's a accordion and saxophone. That's great. I love that. Love that. Really nice playing. Beautiful. Interesting saxophone style. Yeah. <laughs> Non-style. Here's this one. Here's Martin Kayla playing the cabaret or the bagpipe with a banjo player. It's, it's called Ophon Dupre. I like this. It's a nice relaxed bagpipe. Piece.
really nice beautiful beautiful playing and singing yeah i think kayla is singing and playing the pipe at the same time really huh. it's not because not a cabaret you don't blow into it you squeeze it with both arms and play the you know valves or whatever yeah right right huh. interesting here's one of the last of the the soleil records probably recorded around 1940 huh. this is uh constantine and chalis Doing La Rosalie de Bon Matin. Never seen that purple label. That's the, the later label. Yeah. It's really nice, too. I love their, their labels. Really great. <coughs> it's about 
That was fantastic. That's some good playing. Yeah. Now, uh, Eden has uh, left the room. So should we take a little time and talk about her while she's not here? <laughs> what do you think? Well, what do you have to say about Eden? Well, I was going to ask you what you thought about her. Maybe get your comments. I mean, no. I'm kind of too close to it to... Uh, you are. You're too close. Yeah. You're objective. Yeah. You're not objective about Eden. No. <laughs> I mean, how can I be? I'm just, you know, I'm overwhelmed in Eden. <laughs> Part of the problem with you and Eden is... You guys live in a very small apartment, basically. It's a one-room apartment. Yeah. And you've been living together for a while. That's the way it is in New York City. Almost, well, you know, 17 years. So you kind of, you know, you don't get enough time away from each other. Of course, you have a job, but... Well, we we do do our separate things, you know. She goes out a lot at night with her friends. Right. Yeah. But what are you saying when you say, uh... Well, once in a while you need to go away for, you know couple of weeks you know yeah I think that helps you leave her alone just you know then you kind of like get a more distance some distance and you know, appreciation perhaps that you know Cause when, you, when you live with someone and all and you're together all the time they can get on your nerves to such an extreme degree no matter how nice they are how much you like and that's just the sound of their voice can become very irritating yeah <laughs> expressions on their face that they make can become irritating you know, it's just the way it is. What you're saying is I gotta take a trip. <laughs> yeah, if you could, you know, once in a while, just once in a while, periodically, once or twice a year, you know, you go away for a little bit and you can appreciate each other better. Yeah. Even though the women will, you know, because that's the way women are, they'll just say, oh, you should, you know, why are you going away? You know, don't you love me? Da, 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 da. But even they like it, they, but they'll never admit it because they don't play fair. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, they leave it all on your shoulders. Oh, you want to try to get, you want to get away from me? You don't love me, but they actually privately do also appreciate some time off. I, well, I know Eden does. I mean, we actually, I, I mean, we have on a surprising amount of time apart, considering the way we live. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure that helps sustain the relationship. Yeah, I mean, my work can be like. You know, at right. times where like a week goes right. by and we really don't and see each other. The two of you are not on the same time schedule probably, so a lot of times when... It depends, yeah. My my work t- is all over the place. I freelance and I sometimes I work really long hours, sometimes I work normal hours, but sometimes I work real early, sometimes I work real late. Mm-hmm. But she does her thing like, you know, two or three nights a week where she goes out. I don't know what right. she does. Right. I don't know what she One does. thing you told me about Aileen, I mean about ah. <laughs> a little Freudian slip, slip there. there. Yeah. A positive thing about Eden is that she makes no demands on you. No, she doesn't. <laughs> no, she really doesn't. She doesn't expect you. I mean, she. I guess, like all women, she has her way of getting what she wants, which I don't fully understand. And it's you uh, know, it's happening to me all the time. She seems to have pretty low expectations. Though, she does, you know? though. Yeah, yeah. She really is not like aunt. She doesn't nag me. She doesn't no, like she doesn't try to get me to do things. Like if she wants to go do something and I don't want to do it, there's never any like you know complaining she just goes and does it which is probably what's kept us together all this time that's in that one I'm room sure apartment that's helped because if she was dragging me around to some of the stuff she wants to right. do and vice versa you know like when I have friends over to listen to records she's mm-hmm. gone you know stuff like that so mm-hmm. you know we kind of give each other our own space without ever really talking about it or you know whatever yeah yeah 
good. It's certainly, uh, the guy's the guy needs some time to get his mind right. You know, hmm. he's got to have his own. I mean, hell yeah, he's got to have his own space. He's got to have his own guy things like records or whatever. Me, I'd like to go. Like, I'd like to take like a little diving trip on my own. Just go spend some time get with the fishes as I say who was it some get my mind some right some famous 19th century author said you know everybody needs their little back room yeah <laughs> you know you gotta get your own little space where you can go and yeah you gotta have your own space mm-hmm. yeah. I noticed in your little tiny apartment that you kind of have the front there by the window is your space where you sit yes. with your records and your stuff and then Eden's in the kitchen <coughs> Eden's got her little corner on the other side by the door there with her you know her computer and yeah her, her clothes are over there and stuff yeah I mean oftentimes like I'll be sitting there playing music either listening to records or playing guitar or something and she's in the other room on the computer for hours at a time and it's it's almost like we just don't acknowledge each yeah. other subconsciously it's, you know. it's actually not even in another room it is i guess there's a sort of a doorway between the two rooms but it's no, a pretty it's wide doorway it's a studio but there's a, a, a <coughs> three-quarter wall you know right. between the kitchen that's right and she's, and the so she's actually in the kitchen yeah right so there is this like but minor you separation you can see her from where you are from your part of the house you can look over there and see her not like there's not even a door that you can close there what you don't understand is we we have a, a rent stabilized apartment right and then all this right. shenanigans of buying records traveling around mm-hmm. it yeah it, it wouldn't happen right and and I, I see the guys i work with who have <coughs> a you know twenty five hundred dollar mortgage and another three thousand dollars worth of bills mm-hmm. to, to break even on before they even feed their families and pay for their you know travel expenses cars and all that crap mm-hmm. and uh, all I would do if I had a house like that is just work and I, there right. would be, there'd be no money left over for any fun or <coughs> no right. traveling no records so right. it's kind of like a decision I made to live like a college kid out of necessity <laughs> you know not because I like it but it's been so long now that I kind of don't know any other mm-hmm. way right I'd come out here and see like this kind of space that you have or you know, like walking through Maggie's new house, and mm-hmm. I have minor like feelings of like suicide. Like, what am I doing living in one room? <laughs> I should, should be living a normal life like this. I'm but envious of all the space. And but then again, practicality-wise, for me, I've seen it happen. You know, as soon as I in New York City in that whole area, as soon as I try to acquire some space like that, then it's just gonna. I, I could make my bills ten times what they are mm-hmm. right now. Sure. sure. But I noticed even in your tiny place, uh, you have room to expand your record collection. Oh, yes. I have room for more shelving there. It's and, th- and I ne- need them, and they're going to be coming very soon. <laughs> as long as I can fit records. But yeah. it's kind of a, you know... On the one hand, it's a little bit of a despicable way to live and kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> but uh, and then on the other hand, uh, you know, Eden. I don't know. If she we could kind of enjoy life. I don't know, know if she could live any other way either. I mean, she she kind of lives, as you said, like a college student. She likes that style where she's not fully. Well, she doesn't cook and she doesn't clean. Yeah. So she doesn't want more s- stuff, you know, necessarily. She, she wa- doesn't want to be a housewife in the suburbs no, or d- or even she you know, couldn't be a housewife no matter what. If you said. 
I'll give you a million dollars a day. Here's this big house, cook and clean in it. It would never happen. Or even if she had a, a cleaning lady, just to have to live in some house in a, in a town outside of New York. Oh, no way. Forget it. She'd go insane. Yeah, she's got to have the She needs constant village. stimulation. She she's got to be able to strut her stuff and go out and have a social life that she loves. The East Village she is her She says town. all the time, she says to me, I'm very social and you're not. <laughs> And I just say, yes, I agree with you. I'm amazed that she goes sunbathing in Tompkins Square Park. It's unbelievable. They all do. All these, you know, hot yeah. East Village women. It's the guys sit on park benches with telephoto lens and take pictures <laughs> of them. They, they call it Booby Hill. <laughs> Booty Hill. Yeah. It's incredible. Don't they get harassed by creeps? There's so many creepy people around there. But it's like anything else. When you live in an environment where there's so many creepy people around, you just get used to it. Does like, she, like does there she have was a way of fending them off. Well, it's funny. Like, they don't really like go up and approach the girls. But there are like literally guys 15 feet away taking photos. <laughs> and, and, and I think most of the women just look at it like, I gotta get tan. And like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> gotta you know? get tan. You know, I mean, your priority is how you look when you're strutting down the street. You don't want to look City. like you live in New York City. There's no way you can be, be like, you have glowing white skin and be like a girl living in the East Village. That's right. out. Not an option. So your <laughs> options are limited, you know. But yeah, I find it kind of fascinating. <laughs> but like, it's weird too. It's like a weird thing where like, I somehow I think, maybe subconsciously because men like you know, love having these, like, bikini-clad, like, hot chicks laying around it. Somehow the real crazy wingnuts know that if they went up there, somebody would call the cops and... They'd blow the whole drag scene. Drag them away. Yeah, and then they're... Also, they would the girls would stop going to the park. Yeah, I don't so know if they, they can blow think it out scene. that clearly if no? it's just self-preservation. Oh. I don't know. Huh. I don't mm -hmm. know. But it's weird how everybody kind of tolerates each other. And and yeah, I mean, and then there's times where some crazy shit happens. I've been out there where you know, I've seen people, like crazy people, freaking out in that park so much that the cops they have this like bag, and it's it's like a tight um, body bag, and when the person's really freaking out, like they tie their hands and legs and put them in the bag, <laughs> and then they carry them away <laughs> in the bag. You're kidding no, me! No, just so they can't like wow. squirm or kick they, or try to put bite them in a you bag. or whatever. Yeah. Like they, they have those plastic You've things. You've seen this? Oh yeah, oh my I've seen God. it with this crazy girl. <gasps> yeah, who's like a crackhead prostitute who like is always in Tompkins Park, and when she has a freakout, they put the plastic <laughs> handcuffs around her, her feet and her legs, and they put her in the bag, and they zip up the bag, and then she's still screaming like a maniac <laughs> from screaming the in bag. the bag. <laughs> then they have to wait for a certain car or a certain van that yeah. comes to take the bag. And one time she was just out there for 45 minutes eating our watch and she's like, I'll fucking kill you. I've got to fucking eat you alive. I'll fucking kill you. From inside this bag. <laughs> and the cops are just standing like, do, 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 do. Yeah, right. Another day in the life. You know? Incredible. Yeah. They have the bag like laying on the ground. Yeah, just on the ground. And like, you know, once they zip it, like yeah. most people just walk by and don't even notice that there's like a person in there. Because it's not like it's really small bag. Can it's they really breathe in the bag? It's like you, you ventilate tell me. it somehow. I guess so. <laughs> okay, probably some vents on it or something. I mean, they must. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm always, you know, you can't. The one thing you can't do in New York is go up and like talk to cops in those situations. They won't. <coughs> really? They won't talk to you. Oh yeah, they won't. Huh? Yeah, because they'd just be constantly harassed. What's, but I'm, I'm what's so going curious. on here, officer? 
I'm so curious. He had to go up and be like, Officer, could you explain to me the body bag technique? Yeah. I'm a resident of this neighborhood, and I'm just uh, you know interested in, in what takes place here. And uh, you know, yeah, they would just stare at you until you either went away or they'd probably yeah. just hit you with their billy club. Beat it. May, may I suggest using your night stick? Police officer. business. Yeah. Beat it. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I can't tell with Eden like. You know that her way she goes out and ventures around the East Village at night and stuff. If she's five feet tall, she's a little girl. But if she's really brave, or if she's just crazy. Well, like remember the stuff we were talking about last night, where she was calling me an idiot for all, all these insane, crazy situations that she put herself in that are really dangerous. And I pointed out that they're dangerous. Mm -hmm. Her reaction is, "Well, nothing happened to me when I did it, so yeah. you're a fool for saying that." Right. And my you know, take on it is that just because you didn't get killed or raped one time didn't mean that you weren't in a situation where one of those two things could right. easily right. happen and you put yourself in that situation that you didn't have to be in. That, uh, But that just shows you the two fundamental different ways. I think it's men and women, but certainly the my perception of reality and her perception of reality. Her perception of reality is what's happening to me immediately at this moment right now. <laughs> yeah, I can and mine is more of like an yeah. overall... Here we're oh, talking about here. you again. Here's Eden. Yeah, we're having a and segment on you. Talking about that ghost. Try yeah, not. No, not the ghost. Trick. No, we're having a segment on you. <coughs> I was just telling John that the way you venture around in in the streets of New York by yourself at night and stuff that I can't tell if you're really brave or if you're crazy. <laughs> I'm both. <laughs> Maybe you're both. Yeah. <laughs> but I know everybody. I I know all the crazy people in New York. Maybe that's it. There's some guy that like just got out of jail. Probably stab someone or something and he's like hey Eden when I was in jail they played your music on the radio and we, I was like I know her you know like I know all the crazy people did he do a thumbs up at you yeah every time I see him he's like she's <laughs> famous she's famous <laughs> oh good I don't know. what is he listening to jail radio or some college they have, radio? Like, the radio on and public college you know radio. they're yeah. playing what was maybe I don't know BAI or something yeah or that NYC there's an old saying, fortune favors the brave, so I don't know. But it's yeah. not dangerous there anymore, really. I mean, when I it's went to New dangerous. Orleans, that was way worse. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, sure. The East Village is I got drunk relatively civilized. I tried to walk through the Ninth Ward by myself, and I was attacked by, like, four people immediately. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I got street smarts, and no. How'd you deal with that? I did not. Uh, someone... I yelled Someone and yelled rescued. and oh, you yell. they okay. heard me. Yell. I was near the squat and this you guy yelled. came and uh. kicked this crackhead off of me huh. who was trying to sexually assault me. And then mm. when he kicked the guy off of me, like three or four other guys like were hiding in the bushes and they ran with the guy. I mean, oh it, yeah. it would have been bad. I might have, I probably would have died that night. Or gang, gang rape. Yeah, it would be a changed person if I was Yelling alive. didn't, didn't make the guy, didn't stop him yelling? No, he was like banging my head against the... Oh my god. To knock me god. out on the, on the on sidewalk. The sidewalk. He, uh, oh my god. I just wouldn't stop screaming. And I was having really clear thoughts. I was oh like, I remember looking Jesus. at the trees and being like, I'm not going out this way. No, 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 no. It was not, I'm not ready to die. This was like 10 years ago or something. This was before Katrina. But um, mm. I reacted, you know. I always wonder how I'd react if something happened. And I just would not shut up. I mean, if he, if he had a knife against my throat and it was like, if you scream or something, yeah. I guess it might have been different. But he didn't seem to have a weapon. Huh. And I, d I just kept screaming, and this guy came out and kicked him on in the head, and everyone started kicking the guy, and the guy ran, and the 
messed up thing was I had to keep seeing him over and over. You saw him Selling again. crack on the corner. Yeah, he's the guy who was all beat up. Well, why didn't you go to the police? Oh, they don't care there. This man over here tried to rape nah, me. Nah, they don't care. Really? They Cops don't, don't care? care? Cops are so corrupt went to in the New Orleans. police no. and said, see that guy over there? He tried to rape yeah. me the other night. Yeah, I had no proof. And there was Arrest that man. And then have that guy try to kill me like the, ev- the whole rest of the time. All his there. friends tried to I was probably like the eighth person they tried to rape that night or something. Down there, it's like uh, the cops were arresting all of my friends right and left. That's really? Yeah, you know, we were squatters and squatting in this abandoned house that's not legal. And they probably just would have arrested me. Right. Oh, you're staying in that house? Just arrested oh, squatter, everyone. Squatter, eh? Yeah. Come, on, come along. They wouldn't have cared. <laughs> and, and you, keep your nose clean. Get out of here. Beat yeah. <laughs> but New York is. Jeez. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Especially since Giuliani, New York is much more civilized Manhattan. Giuliani, the fascist mayor who, yeah. you know, wants to make it a city for the rest. the police on all the gangs and all the bums and got got them off the streets. But then he stick the police on the working class people too yeah. Yeah, to make money, you know. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, you know, uh, I'll, adm- uh, I'll admit that uh, our, our neighborhood's a lot safer, quote unquote, cleaner. So and there's, there's far less crazy people around, but I miss the pre-Giuliani New York. Me I mean, too. And, and yeah. I don't miss the craziness. I don't, I don't miss the <coughs> looking over my shoulder part. But hmm. with, with the Giuliani New York came the corporatization and the yeah, sterilization. Sure. Of sure. That's what it was all about. Mm-hmm. It was cleaning up all the riffraff so they could bring in all the big money, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Kmart's yeah. and Dunkin' Donuts. I was just Donuts telling me she doesn't see that, that artist anymore. You guys have all those little paintings from that guy from New York. Oh, yeah, um, right. She yeah. said she didn't see him anymore. He's yeah. probably They probably busted him if he w- didn't have a license to sell that. Oh, that was another thing they made. He huh. just said no busking, no huh. all this, no vending, just just his pals. Well, that was Bloomberg. That pocket. was recent. Bloomberg, yeah. 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 Mm. Giuliani started all that. Though. Yeah. But that's what that was all about. It wasn't, they said it was quality of life for the people. It was quality of life for the 1% who wanted to, you know, move into all these neighborhoods and you should see Easter Report business. now. There's that book Bonfire, The mm-hmm. Vanities, written by Tom, Tom Wolfe Wolf in the eighties, which is just like this apocalyptic vision of New York at, that people had in the eighties that was gonna end up in some kind of race war. You know? Mm-hmm. As the people I knew in New York thought it was gonna le- end up in a race war. It really it was did so feel bad. Like that. And that was the m- the the media was fueling all that. You I know? was like visit my friend Jeff Run there in New York in the eighties one time I said how How's life in New York these days? So you want to know what life in New York is like these days? This is in the 80s. It's war with the niggas. <laughs> but, but you know what changed all that? You know what changed all that drastically? Was 9-11. Like, it, it, it was well, still building... Somebody told me that what, what made a really big change in the attitude of black guys in New York was the Million Man March in Washington. That were a big, that was a big help. So kind of like why? cooling because out the because whole so many black anger thing. White people showed up to support it. Well, and, th- and they all they got their their moment of what, what do you call it? Of you know the their moment in of fame in the in the media and you know and they, yeah. and they got their some kind of recognition for their complaints. You know. And and another thing I think that happened, and I don't know the s- specifics exactly the time, but. I remember in the 80s, you know, you had all the, all the rap was, like, about wars with white people, you know, public enemy and niggers with attitude, yeah. you know, and, and right. I liked some of that, actually, I you know, it. especially public enemy, <laughs> it had really great <laughs> lyrics. You, you know? loved that? 
Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, fight the powers that be and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And then all of a sudden this new wave of rap came along that was just all about being a millionaire and potty potty, shake your butt, I got it, I got this, I got my gold, I got my car. Now these girls sucking my nut, you know. And uh, and when that became totally popular, I mean all those other and Public Enemy and those bands, they were finished. Like yeah, overnight, they were those finished. Nobody wanted to hear the... Those earlier bands were more political, is that what you're saying? Oh, they saying? were all political, huh. yeah. Oh, totally political. And huh. actually, smart lyrics, good yeah, lyrics. Good. You know? yeah, huh. yeah. That all you disappeared? Like burn, Hollywood burn. But now all those people Enemy. sold down. They have like reality shows and stuff. <laughs> it's mm. ridiculous. Huh. Yeah. Actors and Hollywood. So the, the kind of like the gangsta sensibility became more kind of... Yeah, once that, that other thing? That gangster culture, which all just... It was all just focused on getting rich and flaunting what you got and all of a sudden people weren't interested in the you know Elvis mm. was a hero to most but he didn't mean shit to me that huh. fucker was racist <coughs> simple and plain motherfuck him and John Wayne mm. Mm. was Elvis racist what was the rest of that mm. I'm hyped because I'm amped most of my heroes don't appear on those stamps mm. <laughs> <laughs> John's rap that's the that's the best rap, you know. Rap, 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 and I remember that from high rap. school, you know, late high school, mm. thinking that you know it was really interesting uh, lyrics, but also that it was fueling this anger, you know. Yeah. Even though I, I knew a lot of white people who loved N.W.A. and Public Enemy, <coughs> yeah, a good band. They were better than all that other stuff. Mm. Better than Steely Dan. Well, I don't know what it's like in those ghetto areas of. Brooklyn and places like that, Brownsville. I don't know what it's like there now. I don't go there, but the in Manhattan, is creeping in. But it's Manhattan creeping is in completely further into Brooklyn. Cooled out. Further into Brooklyn. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But yeah. I, I, it's remarkable. I mean, I noticed it. I guess it's starting in the '90s that you could be in Manhattan and and there's lots of black people, more black people than ever, actually in Man. You know all over Manhattan and there's there's just not that racial tension anymore that there used to be. Yeah, but it's this whole younger generation doesn't even understand racial tension that like certainly you grew up with, I grew up with. Back in the, in the 60s in the East Village, I, I lived there 65 and just like terrified of the Puerto Ricans. Is it Puerto Rican junkies? I mean, you walk through Tompkins Square at night in those days, you're taking your life in your hands. Well, even when I moved into Tom, uh, into the East you Village, it was Tent City. 80s, yeah. If you went into 90s. Tompkins, you were gonna get killed. Hmm. Yeah, I remember when it became this like a, uh, yeah. The uh, t- half of Tompkins Square was full of these squatters. I remember that in the 80s. Yeah, Tent City. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And these guys yeah, had like taking over areas really of the park. crazy deranged homeless people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was incredible. It, and Grand Central Station was half of that was squatters, like people with yeah. their own little areas of you know improvised homeless, uh, you know, amazing. Mm. It's all it's all gone. It's all gone. Yeah, amazing. It's like little pockets of stuff like that. Yeah, like little pockets. Yeah, it's getting pushed down. If you go along the the, <coughs> it's like unrecognizable. Ri- you go along Riverside Drive there, and you can see these. There's like little squatter areas underneath these weird bridges and stuff they're taking each little area like now 14th street those 99 cent stores that's all gone yeah it's all gone. actually I, I read ev grieve this blog evgrieve.com yeah. hmm. um all the time this guy he's anonymous he posts what's closing and what's opening and who applied for oh yeah what space it's really amazing huh. 
He's got a lot of That's followers, a lot of readers. That's and interesting. Huh. He, um, huh. I've been reading it since I've been here, and when me and John get back, like three places are closing that <laughs> that I go to by the time me and John are back. Wow. What, what kind of places? One is um, the Yippie Cafe, the Yippie Museum. Number nine Bleecker is going to be closed, huh. which hmm. has been around forever. Huh. Ken Weaver knew about that place and yeah. for like Abby Hoffman and, and stuff. Um, Odessa's, you know that place. Really? No Odessa's kidding. Odessa's closing? Sophie always wants to see their closing. That's a, a Ukrainian restaurant on, on yeah. was it A? Avenue A? Yeah. It's like a Ukrainian forever. Yeah, yeah, they're closing. They're forever. They're closing, yeah. And, um, wow, Odessa. This bar on Houston that has bands. And but, I mean, that's just one of National a Underground couple closing. hundred landmarks within it. Eight block there's radius like of three, us. There's, and there's like nothing three left every and it's month. It's all being it's replaced with. Everything's gone. Yeah, sometimes they get replaced with newer, high-end restaurants that are really expensive, and sometimes the food's good. And but a lot of just chains. You yeah. know, it's the only two things that can afford the rent right. now. Right. You know, if you can if you can get people in an average fifty dollars a person at your restaurant, you can pay ten thousand dollars a month for a tiny space. Oh. Or you know, Baskin Robbins, Subway, and Irish Taco Pope. Bell, Irish and Seven Eleven. I mean, we have all those in our neighborhood now. Right. And it's really tragic, like what we lost—all the great bakeries and the junk shops. You know, every neighborhood becomes the same. Then yeah. it is. It's just and like, it's, it's like a strip and, and my reaction to it is, you know, that all the people with money that moved into our neighborhood that weren't there when I moved in, you know, they, they move in, they they think, oh, well, this is a really cool neighborhood, but then they they want it to look like their shopping mall where they came from at home. They they want the convenience of having the gap and. 7-Eleven or whatever. Mm. Is it Dwayne they Reed? Don't really they don't really this appreciate. This is the year of 7-Eleven. You know, that really? the yeah, neighborhood. It's going to be one on Avenue A. Really? Wow. He's, there's like a no 7-Eleven campaign. Convenience stores. Like, no, we have to put an end to it. It has to stop Not just here. convenience, but we already have convenience stores. They're called bodegas. They're yeah. Amazing what they right. do. Yeah. 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 You can actually get better quality food and produce 24 hours a day in these tiny little shops. You There's know, a 7-Eleven on Some of them are amazing. You know. huh. Huh. But, and, and then mm. you replace that with, you know, 7-Eleven hot dogs and potato chips and Slurpees. Like, <laughs> and, and I don't see how it could possibly work, but obviously it will because those are the kind of people living in our neighborhood couldn't tell the difference or don't care. I don't know. I don't understand it. I can't, it gets me so frustrated and I don't even want to talk about it. Well, maybe we should play another record. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, I think we we had such a long discussion about how much time you before got? she came. I think we have time for. <laughs> how would you say maybe about one me? more record? It's okay. five fifteen. All right. What did you say about me? We said nothing but good things. We said that oh you're yeah? the pillar of the community. Oh yeah. You're a treasure. Slum god. Prettiest woman on the earth. You, mean you think she's fat? Oh my god! Yeah. Just called me fat. Exactly. <laughs> a pillar of fat. <laughs> you're a blob. Blob on the community. <laughs> we said you're the prettiest girl in town. Oh, my modeling career is taken off. Yeah. Short and fat is in. <laughs> F you, Kate Moss. Just depends on who you hang out with. That's, that's, that's your problem. That you know, if you let if you let yourself be manipulated by the fashion industry, that that's controlled by gay men. Gay men want you to starve to death because they want to be you. They want you to die. They want to see you it's die. What? It's actually when we went to Fashion Week, me and Aileen to do for the New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> you must I have observed loved it's gay men and rich older women. They control the fashion industry. Yeah, two two 
two facets of people who hate young, beautiful women. No? What did I you say? When you say it's connected somehow? I don't know if they hate them, but they're not interested in, let's say, the same kind of va-va-voom voluptuous type female figure that you and me are interested but in. But isn't that they're because gay men like kind of want to be women in but the can't 50s, be, that was so it. they want them to be skinny like men? I don't, I don't know. What no, they want them to be I skinny so they're, they're size zero, so it's like the clothes is hanging. Yeah. Clothes are hanging on a hanger. That's right. They, they want like to, to design clothes that are that look hanging nice on like a hanger. that. <laughs> All I know is we <laughs> like you just the way you are. Oh boy. Stay <laughs> sweet up. <laughs> <laughs> John, you just Can't every time you open your mouth, you get, you get yourself lose. in deeper. I told you, it's just a question of how much I'm going to lose. <laughs> it's a tar baby. You're just getting more and more stuck in the tar baby. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Okay, here's the last record of the day. Mm -hmm. this, is <laughs> this is the. Uh, Marcel Plain on accordion, G. Pelletier on cello, and somebody named Rials on banjo, and it's called La Plainette. It's a bourree, which is a type of uh, Auvergnat dance. All these records we've been listening to are from the Le Soleil label, every one of them. All right, you're listening to John's Old Time Radio Show with our special guests Robert Crum and Eden Brower, and we had the fortunate opportunity to talk about Eden quite a bit while she wasn't <laughs> in the room. We also listened to some great rural French music. Over and out. See you later.